Welcome to the Nejajuan Podcast. My name is Isaac Kamins. This is a bi-weekly podcast where my friend Jess O'Brien and I discuss internal martial arts, qigong, and meditation. Uh, this week we continue our discussion of Yang Shaojong, Yang Cheng Fu's eldest son. Uh, we look at Bruce Francis's description of Yang's class, uh, specifically focusing on the push hands portion of uh, Yang's training. Then we return to our discussion of the Tai Chi classics, where we discuss the notion of uh, lifting the head and sinking the chi into the dandian. And in uh, this week's Patreon episode, we continue our uh, discussion of the microcosmic orbit from Deng Mingdao's book. Then we return to Baiwa's book, where he discusses uh, three major concepts from Tai Chi Chuan. Uh, internal connections, sometimes referred to as the six harmonies, although he goes into a lot more than six. Liu Tong Si Kwa, which is wrapping the pelvis and sinking the qua, and Hong Shung Babe, which is raising the spine and dropping the chest. And just a reminder, if you want an extended episode as well as a bonus episode, uh, go over to our Patreon and sign up and you can get uh, that as well as all our uh, interviews and bonus content and a whole bunch of other stuff. So as always, thanks again for listening. Thanks for your support. Uh, we couldn't do it without you guys. Take care of yourselves and uh, be well. Today we're going to talk more about Yang Shaojong, the son of Yang Cheng Fu, part of the famous Yang family of Tai Chi Chuan. Um, Looking again at the power of internal martial arts, where uh, B.K. Francis tells the story of his training with Yang Xiaojung, um, it's pretty good. You know, there's some good details in here and good descriptions that kind of capture some of the feeling of what was going on in his class at the time. Um, here, here's a little interesting piece that he mentioned. He said, on another occasion, several of the students in his school had recommended that I go to a Taoist to learn about meditation. And I asked Yang Xiaojung if he taught that also. He replied that he did not, and the members of his family had not from the beginning. He taught the martial and qigong aspects of tai chi. And if my interest is in meditation, I would need to look elsewhere. Another time he told me that he taught his family's tai chi tradition because of the obligation to pass that tradition on. He admired the love and joy of martial arts that his great-grandfather had possessed. Generally, young students were well-educated and some spoke English as well as Cantonese. Many with whom I talked were friendly and insightful individuals. The conversations were enjoyable. So that's a little bit about what it was like at the school at the time. But yeah, he mentions that meditation is not technically part of the repertoire, which was interesting because earlier we had heard how Yang Xiaojong had the most complete Tai Chi system of all, right? Like he got the inner door teaching was what that uh, we had heard in a different bio. Right. Well, you know, I don't think most schools don't have meditation attached to them. So, like official Taoist meditation or Buddhist yeah, meditation. I mean, um, it's a meditative mindset. Liu Hongzhi did Taoist meditation before he met Wu Jianchuan. Mm-hmm. Wu Jianchuan also did Taoist meditation. So they were able to have conversations about it and, you know, things like that. And Leo just kind of adapted sure. the stuff that he, he knew. He was from, interested in that, yeah. Yeah, he just adapted the Bagua meditation to Tai Chi, which, you know, isn't, you know, technically for you know the tai chi but close enough but yeah there is a natural connection to taoism like um 
The Tai Chi symbol, after all, is a Taoist symbol, right? Yeah. And a lot of similar language. And Bai Hua often turns to uh, the Tao Te Ching a lot of times and quotes Lao Tzu in the book as well, talking about all these yin and yang and Tai Chi well, symbology right, within like, meditation. I guess, to, in my mind, those are sort of two different subjects, right? Mm. There's like, you know, Taoist theory and Taoist Nagong is a separate thing from Taoist meditation, even though they use a lot of the same language and the same, you know, Right, as we've seen on this podcast, right, some of the language and terminology are the same. And So, you know, I mean, when when that's where, like, it depends on how you define meditation, but I'm pretty sure in this case, Bruce is, you know, referring to just, like, classical Taoist sitting meditation right. not you know some other form that's emphatically it. not part of Tai Chi right so now he moves on to what is most famous at Yang Jung school which is the push hands so he says um, you know there were always people push, pushing hands when you came in he said they did a form of static push hands where both people would stand facing each other in a press forward position without moving or yielding the person who was facing the wall would attempt to discharge, uproot, and then slam the other against the wall with minimum or no obvious external movement. Meanwhile, the person with his or her back against the wall would attempt either to absorb the other's power or to push the opponent only an inch or two. If you pushed any more than that, the person pushed would land in the laps of those in the small waiting vestib vestibule. Which is funny... Uh, so you just had this tiny little sort of closet-sized space to do push-ins. Right, you know, only one person can really push because if the right. other guy pushes, it's going to slam <laughs> that's, that's pretty funny. But that's an interesting type of push-ins. That's not like your average yielding, turning back and forth type of push-ins. Right. Well, it's static, right? So it's like mostly you're just working on the loading up and pressing from a static position so, so we use the pung posture where you come up like that well it's g but oh g with one hand yeah so, two so, hands so up. both you know your wrists are crossed hmm. you know and it's it's just kind of who can without letting off you know without letting go physically who can you know get a something to push on and then discharge Right, because like all the stuff we've been reading about is like avoiding the enemy's pressure. Like, don't give them anywhere to land on. Yeah, but here you're forced to like put your hand up and you start right at the worst position, kind of like clashing. Right. So this is where you have to learn how to um, neutralize, essentially, without yielding. Right. So you're not yielding to the person's force when they push on you. You either have to, you know figure out a way to ground it or you can you know return the you know kind of time it where you're pushing back against their push so that you sort of you know neutralize their push by equalizing in the other direction right but you know neither of those involves moving back physically and I think this was this was part of. I mean, it, I doubt it was the whole thing that he taught, but I'm I'm guessing it was a big part of it. Just in terms of a lot of Tai Chi people, kind of are you know from one perspective a little too soft, and there's a little bit too much of that sort of just collapsing. And so mm. I think he's probably working on getting just people to be able to 
have some structure first before you start doing the yielding and the soft stuff. He says that Yang's small, thin wife loved to do push hands with the waiting students, bouncing them against the wall. And that's nice. not a pretty small area. But there's, she's just, anybody's hanging around. Well, if you got a wall behind you, you can just bounce the person off the wall and they come right back to you. Right. It's kind of like, you know, playing racquetball or something. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and he mentions that he hadn't seen this type of not yielding push hands. It was different from what he was used to. Um, and eventually he got a chance to do it with Mr. Young. So uh, when he came, uh, when I came in, Young was practicing with students in the main teaching room. He was putting his hands on their shoulders and bouncing them vertically in the air, always with a wide smile on his face. It was a small class of only six or eight people. In the waiting area, I asked one of them to do push hands. He showed me the two-person press method and explained it was used to develop the ability to discharge or fajin. I was able to more or less neutralize him. Then he said I should really go for it. And then I learned, pretty soon I was throwing him against the wall again and again. Um, so yeah, so he says, when Yang was done with vertically bouncing people in the other room, we all lined up against the wall in the main room and practiced the technique. Again, I turned, yielded, and turned and countered. Then it came my turn to push hands with Yang. His power was significant, and he easily bounced me after I yielded. Then, as I next attempt to yield, he held me fast with only his palms, locking me up tight so that it was not possible to yield or move my limbs or body in any direction or exert any kind of power against him in any way. It was like being held by a magnet. Due to circumstances beyond my control, I unfortunately had to leave Hong Kong shortly thereafter. The straitjacket experience with Yang remained forever embedded in my mind. Well, that's that pressing down thing of like, you kind of get this sense of just being trapped against the floor kind of. And I, I think that, you know, that straight jacket effect is, it just like gets you to where you're, you're kind of tied up to like cross press. Well, yeah, but it's more like you're just off balance and in a weird position. So mm -hmm. you can, you know, and the, there's a constant pressure yeah, on yeah, you. Yeah. So since there's this constant pressure on you, you can't really adjust. Cause if, if you move at all, you know, you're going to fall over. Lose your mouth. Right? And the other, like, when you feel that, the person has you sort of like Play-Doh. They're like mushing you one way or the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you keep losing your balance and not being able to quite recover. When, and it's, yeah, yep. they could happen to push hands or Rosho and Bagua. And you could, it's so you can just feel somebody's like kind of got your number and they're just connecting and moving you. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, I mean, and there's a subtle part to it, which is, you know, um, uh, Bob talked about training with Fu Zhang Wen, another one of mm. uh, Yang Cheng Fu's students. And um, he said that he had a, a similar thing where, you know, as soon as you started, you just touched the guy. You know, his pung was so big that, like, you would just kind of get sort of bounced off of him even before he did anything because it was just like, you know, there was just like so much puff you know to the guy that like it's uh you just it's like pushing on it yeah exactly just like pushing on this light that's coming out of something pushing right? on a yoga ball or something well right well it's it's see it's it's more than pushing on a ball because it's like the ball is pushing back right so it's not the ball just pretty taut, more like a tire right or yeah a tire that's expanding more like you know that it's it's getting fuller when you push on it that if, if you can exactly match the force that's coming 
into into you right with a little bit of pressure then effectively there's no force because you've you've neutralized it right at that point anything you do is going to move that thing that's touching you so the the magnetism essentially is the result mostly of them pushing on you and not realizing that you've got their root essentially right so the thing of just pushing in a static position is you start to be able to feel um whether or not you're pushing on the person's body or you're actually able to get through to their root right and and push on the ground which is you know that takes time to figure out and you got to try different angles and like yeah, go through and, all the and, different and, things and, and trying to figure and, that out and it involves a different kind of sensitivity than just feeling when somebody's balance is off and you know sort of you know twisting them or shoving right. them this is good balance. for taking their balance it reminds me of what Baihua was saying about flexion like this is that flexion mm-hmm. versus flexion now within that where's the empty the angle you could slightly shift to to well usually when force. you do this kind of thing it's it starts to be more about inside and outside or top mm-hmm. and bottom right so if you're pushing with your you know, your, your right hand, you're going to release the pressure through your left hand into your body and down your legs, right? So the, you're static in, in space, but the pressure is still moving through you. And this is, this is a big thing. And I mean, this was actually one of the things that Bruce said that he specialized in when he, that he, Biwa specialized in was the sort of opening and closings and the manipulation of pressure inside the body Hmm. how to use opening and closings to change where pressure goes and what it does he talks a lot about that in his book and he talks a lot about that in the book and that's i mean that's kind of to me that's the one of the highest levels of doing internal martial arts is you're not doing it from your like solid things you're doing it from your fluids so you're able to control how the fluids move in your body, and that's actually what creates these these pressure changes. And um, I think that's that's where Biwa's you know thing was thing was it was about how you create pressure through pulsings and you know circulations, and that's actually what moves your physical body. But it doesn't have to move your physical body. It could just move the thing you're pushing on. It could transfer out of your body into someone else's physical body. (laughs) So all you'll see on the outside is a very small expression of the push, but the person being pushed moves a lot. So it's kind of like a um, like a jack in the box, you know, like it loads up and boom, just the thing it's touching springs off it. So. The jack-in-the-box doesn't really go anywhere, but the thing right. springs. the clown shoots out. Yeah. Returning now to the Tai Chi classics, uh, we're looking at the Tai Chi treatise from Uncovering the Secrets of Internal Power and Tai Chi Chen. So the next quotation goes like this. If the opponent moves fast, I will respond to it fast. If the opponent moves slowly, I also follow with snow- slowness. And Baiha's explanation goes, Although in the concept of taking his flexion and extension as my own flexion and extension, the speed of the opponent's movement can be relatively balanced, but the difference should not be too large. 
Therefore, my movement still needs to be relatively fast to balance with the opponent. If the opponent is slow, I don't need to be fast. I can approach unhurried and occupy the position that is most conductive to control. Seems pretty straightforward. Yeah, that one's pretty, like, you know, if you're moving back, or if your opponent is moving back at, you know, five miles an hour, you got to chase him at about the same speed, right? And then if he's moving forward, you got to retreat at a little bit faster than him. You know, it's like... That's that responsive idea in Tai Chi where I'm not just depending on my own speed. Everything's related to how am I connecting to the... Yeah, I mean, this is basically just an extension of the previous, you know, statement, right? That the the first one was like hard and soft. Now you're getting fast and slow. It's like, you know... Right. Inflection and extension, and then you adopt there, somehow steal their flexion and extension. Well, steal, I think, just they mean neutralize or match it, right? Uh-huh. You, or adopt it as my own. Right. You copy You copy them, essentially, right? So, but it's not copy. When they flex, I use it against them, basically. Right. It's, it's like, it's equal and opposites, usually, but... Moving to the next section, it says, The principle of Taiji Chun is consistent, although the application varies greatly. So the way he explains, he says, Taiji is born from Wuji. In other words, nothingness gives birth to being. Spirit gives birth to one. And it is the concept of being itself. Since one can be divided into infinite equal parts, which naturally includes infinitely large and infinitely small, so it can represent everything. Therefore, the concept of being can be represented by the concept of one. Lao Tzu says, little becomes more, much becomes delusion. Therefore, sages cling to the one and take care of this world. So he's back to the concept of one, which is basically kind of the opposite of Wuji. Like Wuji is nothingness. One represents all infinite. Well, I mean, in this sense, I think one just means unity of like, you know, your one thing essentially. Right. So um, the idea here is that you're going to be doing lots of different movements, different applications in Tai Chi, but you have to have this like consistent, principle of you know what you're doing so it's not you know that's what makes it tai chi is that you're always following the rules right so it it can look different on the outside but it's gotta you know follow the rules of tai chi so the one is the um you know the true the 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 right, the you know, right. the, the one way kind of thing, or the Tao, whatever. It's everything know. on one sort of right. spot. So it's like, so the way he breaks it down is like this. He says, there are infinite. It, it can be simply explained as there are infinitely many things derived from this one, which is complicated and dazzling and confusing. So it is necessary to summarize a simple formula and get to the root of the problem. The so-called formula can only be summarized in one, so that it may be easy to grasp and implement. So he's trying to say, if you make it more complicated than that, then you can't, you're going to lose track of what you're trying to do here. He says, the human body is also a small world, and the complex movements of the body are also dazzling and confusing. Therefore, it's also necessary to summarize a simple formula. So he wants to create a simple formula for all of existence, and then a simple formula for the human being, basically, making that comparison. Um, And the way he says it is, according to the balance point of the body, set the Dantian as the one. As Tai Chi and as the formula. So if right, one so, means everything contained in one place, then the Dantian can serve as that for the human being. 
Yeah, it's the it's the center, you know, or central point, right? So it's the thing where everything else connects to everything else, right? It's like. So he's explaining you want to use the Dantian as your one sort of central focus, and through that, it you know affect the whole body. And so then uh, he goes on to talk about you know that's how you balance loose and solid, open and closed, left and right. Um, and then you, okay, so now he comes to sort of a conclusion. He says, you balance all this stuff to dominate the whole body through all links and carry out the exercise of taking his flexion and extension as my flexion and extension. And he often talks about the connecting the whole body as links, which is the nine well, pearl yeah, concept I mean, that so we talked about a couple of times. The, the shortcut, the formula he's talking about is... You now can just sort of tap into your dandian and the rest of your body will, you know, respond accordingly, essentially, mm. right? That you have, you don't have to think about every single part of your body all at once. Mm -hmm. You only have to think about the one part of your right. body that everything else is right. linked to. Yeah. And again, he looks at the goal of, or the exercise of taking his flexion and extension as my flexion and extension. Again, like... Using the opponent's force against them would be another way of saying that, I think. Yeah, neutralizing and, you know, returning or however you want to call it. But it's like where... You, you right, know, the more he tries, the more it affects him would yeah, be the goal. Yeah, and leverage. You know, using their force against them is the way it often gets... Right. So continue with the explanation, he says, At this time, yin and yang are intertwined by one in any link of the whole body. This is the specific manifestation of the principle that there is only one throughout. Therefore, no matter how the opponent's actions change, it must be dealt with in accordance with the above-mentioned principles. Right, well, this is that's the Zhang Ding. That's the, mm. you know, everything is linked to the one thing which creates this central connection throughout the whole body, right? And so he, uh, he kind of finishes this little section by saying, from being familiar with the essentials and gradually understanding uh, force, gene... Then you move from comprehending force gradually to reach the realm of spiritual illumination. Mm. So another Taoist concept is woven in here where you get if you can get good at these principles, then now you can move on to spiritual understanding, perhaps. Even though yeah. Yang Xiaozhong said his, his family didn't teach meditation, so to speak. No, but you know, this is basically the idea that you can use this sensitivity, this comprehending force, as he calls it, you know, this ability to sense what's happening, this central place inside your body, you know, that can be a container essentially to do nadon, to do meditation, right. to go to that next level of practice. I guess of, you built up concentration at that point. And well, he says, you know, at this point, you, uh, where is it? It's like yin and yang are intertwined with the one and any link uh, to the whole body so it's like you know the this all the changes in your body are linked to the one th you know to the dandian and that's you know gonna create this like connectedness throughout the whole thing right and then that sort of being one unified thing is what you need to do meditation right the goal of med Taoist meditation is to unify all your different 
energies essentially into one thing. So it's like you're working on the same thing, but for a different reason. You know, in meditation, you're unifying everything because you want to do something with your emotions and your spirits, mm-hmm. your spirituality and your immortal being and all that. And in martial arts, you want to use that to make your body strong and make your mind quick. And right. So it's like... There's some crossover there. Yeah. So next he wants to get into a whole other kind of topic. He says, the difference between force and strength in internal martial arts. So again, he's making the comparison between strength, which sometimes we call like clumsy strength or untrained strength, and then force, gene, or like trained strength that's specialized in some way. So he says, strength, Li, is the force from inside to outside. The longer the arm of force, the more difficult it is to control. Now, Jin, he defines, is the force accumulated from the outside to the inside, and it is a response that is manifested externally due to sufficient stress. The greater the pressure, the stronger the response. So that's an interesting split there. Like, my first impression is like strength reaches out, force, Li, I mean, uh, Jin replies to pressure with right. a strong response. Um, yeah, I've always liked the the political definition of power versus strength, right? That um, strength is the ability for me to do something. Power is the ability to for me to make you do something, right? <laughs> so there's a parallel. Like, strength is the ability to, like, pick up a heavy object, right? Like, that it, it's me exerting, you know, my own effort to do something. Jing is, I don't, I respond to something that's happening with a appropriate response so that the thing that's happening to me uh, doesn't disturb my center, right? My, my one. So it's like, if, you know, the, the, the first one, right? If, if somebody just pushes down on you a little bit, you've got enough, you know, pong to keep yourself up, right? Or just, you know, gravity's pressing down on you. You can keep yourself from collapsing, this kind of thing, you know? So he speaks on this concept. So he says, the performance of strength is one way, but internally loose. The performance of gene is two way, but internally solid. Their fundamentals are force, but the difference between them is that the strength, Lee, bursts outward and becomes weaker when it encounters resistance. When, uh, whereas force bursts, uh, gene bursts inward and reacts outward at the same time. And the more resistance it encounters, the stronger it is. Therefore, to use gene, you must start with strength and then use borrowing or leveraging strength to practice gene. So you need to ricochet off something or absorb something or like connect to something to really make Jin work. Whereas Lee could just be a punch in the air, you know? Well, yeah. I mean, you need, again, this is like for, for the Jin to work, you need for, you, you need something to be responding to mm-hmm. essentially, right? Like yeah. you're not creating the, the impetus for it. You're responding to it. So it's like, um, you know, the, the water doesn't have a wave in it until the ball hits the water. Then there, the water moves out of the way, creates mm. a wave, and pushes the ball up, you know, and it bounces back out of the water, right? So it's like that idea of, you know, um, <clears throat> uh, 
again, it's just, I always think of it just equal and opposite, right? And he's presenting this whole Jin thing as kind of the key to what makes Tai Chi so great. So he says, strictly abide by the theory of Tai Chi Chen as the requirements for movement and practice repeatedly. So one will have an understanding of Jin to correctly understand the reaction of the inward accumulation of force and can increase its effect. One can strive for perfection. However, if you don't work hard for a long time, you can't see it as a whole in a clear light suddenly. It can be seen from above that the direction and response of strength and gene are relative. Therefore, to practice gene, it is necessary to start with regular strength. Leading strength to the inside is a complex exercise process, and it takes time to become proficient. Erect your head and store force around the body. Store chi in the dantian. So it makes a distinction between storing jin in the body and then chi in the dantian. Okay, so he's describing the idea of uh, when you become in contact. So I, when I've not yet come in contact with my opponent or the opponent has not yet shown his strength, I have not grasped the initiative and the advantage at this time. So it is not yet time for me to use my jin. But my force has been stored in my body and can be activated at any time. This type of operation is called erect your head and store force around the body. Well, I mean, erecting your head is what connects your um, your central channel, essentially. So, like the the lifting your head and sinking your chi into your danyan, which is another way of saying dropping, right? So you've got you've got a a lifting and a dropping mm -hmm. and then a story. So he says, therefore, consciously strengthening the Dantian to control this movement is called storing chi in the Dantian. Yeah. It's like So that's the therefore. Here we come to the end. So this has all been an argument in favor of strengthening the Dantian. And that the term storing chi in the Dantian is what they mean. Well, yeah, yeah, I mean essentially storing chi in your Dantian is the goal of doing any internal practice right that you're trying to develop more chi and then do something with it so it doesn't just blow off right so you at the end of every practice session uh part of what you should be doing is doing something to get all of your energy to go into your lower danyan and to you know stay there to like at least at least the some of it to to you know, keep it so that you have it to use for later, right? Um, if you just build up a bunch of energy and don't store any of it, it's, you know, what's the point? Like, you, you're you're not benefiting from it long term. You're just going to have it while you have it and it's gone. It's like money, right? Like, money's nice if you have it, but, like, if you spend all of it, then you don't have any if you need it, right? And the idea here is like, yeah, you can spend some of it, your chi to do what you need to do, but you also want to be consistently storing a good amount of it so that you have it for reserve for later on. So either it helps you not get sick, it you know keeps you healthy and strong, or if you do get sick, you've got this, you know, this sort of like, well to tap into so you don't get you know really sick or you don't get any damage from getting sick and you know it's just kind of your uh your your insurance policy on an energetic level i think that's the end of this chapter until next time
until next time we'll keep digging into this hey folks uh thanks again for listening just a reminder uh check out the patreon for the extended episode and check out instagram for images to go along with the episodes and we have a facebook page as well so check that out again thanks for listening and take care of yourselves